This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8.08 a.m. It is Friday, July 24th, 2020, and you are listening to Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. It's hot outside. And here's the thing. The weather right now is a nice 63 degrees, but the high today will be 80. Tomorrow will be 88 degrees, and Sunday will be 90. So it's going to be very hot. I recommend shorts and sandals for this wonderful weekend. Today is going to be a very great show for you guys. We are joined in the studio with the Fox Valley Grant Makers, Julie Chrisman and Vicki Morcos. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Good hey. morning. All right. Morning. All right. All right. All claps will be live until we get the clap button. That's how we do. That's how we do. <laughs> So we're going to get into the news for the weekend for all of you wonderful listeners out there, and it's a very good breakdown. Uh, so if you have nothing to do this weekend, which I don't know why you would not if you're listening to this cool show, you can check out Mr. Michael Rawls. Big time shout out to this local country, Americana and Blues artist. He is playing today at Global Brew in St. Charles. Tomorrow he'll be at the Q Bar in Darien. Michael Rawls was featured and playing at McCarty Mills, which is right across the street from the Santori branch of the Aurora Public Library downtown. Great guy, wonderful man. Please check out Michael Rawls. Jump to the polls at St. Sabina Church, 1210 West 78th Street, excuse me, 78th Place in Chicago. The Illinois Secretary of State will be providing on-site state ID renewals and voter registration from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. today. Food, fun, and voter turnout. Wickwood House is having their two-year anniversary tiki party on the 31st. Please check that out. Shout out to Wickwood House right next door to Treadwell and all spoked up on Downer Place in Aurora. They got the really nice patio, and if you went out there for the shopping, you will have had the opportunity to have a little bit of light food, some of the greatest coffee on earth, and get your, uh, you know, shop to your drop. It was awesome. Foodie Friday Today, a culinary demonstration. That will be live on the Aurora Public Arts Facebook page and YouTube channel. As we know, the Aurora Public Art community has been having virtual summer programming for months now. Uh, this has been week long as well, and yesterday was the Animal Draw Along with Jen Keller. Shout out to Jen Keller. Virtual summer programming is brought to us by Aurora Public Art, the Rotary Club of Aurora, and the City of Aurora. Music in Monday Park. Sitting outside listening to music seems to be back, kind of knock on wood thing. So Monday Park is the park that is adjacent to the venue, and it's also where City Hall is. So you know where that big star is on Broadway? Right across the street from the Neighbor Project. Shout out to the Neighbor Project. If you notice that huge little expanse right there, huge little expanse, oxymoron of the day. 
Uh, it is Monday Park. It's very nice, very pretty, and the flowers smell great. Now, Music in Monday Park is, excuse me, Music in Monday Park is brought to us by the venue, and Bill Grady is going to be the opening act on August 6th, and that'll be at 8 p.m. So we'll be able to sit outside and enjoy some tunes. Uh, very first outdoor music event in the city, sure to be a lot of fun. The venue is located at 21 South Broadway in downtown Aurora. And shout out for the day will be for Treadwell Coffee and Viso Arts. Shout out to Viso Arts and everything that they do in the art community. Jen Ingram Art as well. Our friends at Culture Stock are trying to purchase the church right next door to the Peace House, which is on Fifth Avenue. You may have noticed that there is a donation going about and a GoFundMe as well for that. If you are able, please donate and support Culture Stock. All they do for the community is very well and worth noting. Also want to give a big time shout out to state representative for the 84th district, Stephanie Kipowit. She is having a blood drive at 1 East Benton, the old school Aurora Public Library in downtown. That'll be on the 28th. And if you are able to donate and give blood, please do. If you're not and you know someone who is, please let them know about it. We will repost that to make sure that everyone knows what's going on. All right now. Without further ado, we are going to get into the interview portion of today. Uh, so I am joined in the studio, as I mentioned, by the Fox Valley Grant Makers. We are going to do some introductions and let them speak about themselves. Uh, Miss Chrisman, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Um, so tell the listeners the about the um, Dunham Fund. Well, we're actually the Community Foundation Community of the Foster River Valley. Yes. First mess up of the day, y'all. My bad. That's my all bad, right. My bad. But Dunham <laughs> Fund is right next to me. Right it's next to yeah. Morgos here. <laughs> And um, the Community Foundation of Fox River Valley has been in the Aurora area for over 70 years, so since 1948. Um, we were originally called the Aurora Foundation, so for those of you who've been around a long time, you might have known us as that. Um, but our mission is really to help donors meet their philanthropic objectives. So we work with individuals, agencies, and groups to find avenues so that they can get back to their community. Nice. Now, I have some of the figures here, too, and we're yeah. going to talk about those um, a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, uh, Greg Probst. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Shout he out is. to Greg Probst. He is a good man. He is a good man. Um, he was just recently interviewed by the Beacon, so yes. Oh, so that means i got to get him on the show. you got to get right. him on the oh. show. Note to self. Right, right, right. He's right. Uh. vice president <laughs> of um, finance and operations, um, Aurorian, been in this community for a long time, and... We're very grateful that he's a part of our organization. Yeah, he's a good good gentleman. Mm -hmm. uh, MS Marcos. Mar Marcos. Yes, Marcos. so I am with the Dunham Fund, and um, it was established in 1996, but it didn't become active until John Dunham had actually passed away in 2006. And we began making grants in 2007. So we are far younger than the Community Foundation of the Fox River Valley, but... Um, you know, we feel blessed to be a part of the community and be able to make a difference okay. in the lives of a lot of uh, a lot of our neighbors. Now, where are you from? We hear an accent. Where, where you, tell us, tell, tell listeners where you're from. That's not an Aurora accent. That is not an Aurora <laughs> accent. Uh, born and raised in Arkansas. Okay. Moved to Dallas after college, and um, happened to be working at a trade show and met a young man from Aurora that worked for Equipto, which was owned by John Dunham. How about that? How about that? <laughs> and um, 
followed him back up here and have been married for 25 years. Very cool. And yeah. yourself, Julie? I'm actually originally from St. Louis and moved here about 16 years ago. My husband was offered a position in the area and um, we followed that and have been raising our kids. We actually live in Naperville, so a neighboring town of Aurora. Okay. And um, actually had a high school senior this year. So, you know, they've grown up in this community and we love it here. Very cool. Very mm -hmm. cool. Um, St. Louis barbecue or Texas barbecue? Boy, that St. is Louis uh, barbecue. That is, uh, now. <laughs> Before we get to the grant making stuff, we gotta we gotta settle a battle real quick. That's right. I don't uh, know. Let's see, Cardinals fan. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I've had I've had both, and the the verdict is still out for me. I'm I, I'm more of a a thick sauce. Oh, okay. Kind of guy. Uh -huh. uh, so the verdict is still out <laughs> on the, the barbecue for me. Um, what do you ladies feel is an Aurora strength? What does Aurora got going for it? Well, I can start, but, you know, Vicki, I know you know a lot about this community. You know, I am constantly amazed at the sense of community. Mm -hmm. The individuals that we work with work so well together, right. um, constantly building upon one another. Um, just constantly looking out for the needs of their neighbors. So I really see that as just a highlight. And, you know, I'm, I'm always overwhelmed with the generosity of the individuals in this community. I would agree with what Julie says. I think that, um, you know, living here 25 years, I've had a couple different lenses. One is a business owner that used to volunteer mm -hmm. a lot for many different organizations and sat on several different boards over the years and um, even though we're the second largest city in Illinois I feel like it's very small town hometown it has a feel similar to the town I grew up in Arkansas which was only 60,000 but everybody knows everybody they're super supportive of each other and um, I just I love the camaraderie and mm -hmm. the sense of community that is felt here yeah there is a small town there's a small town feel to it. There um, is. Yeah, it, it does not. I mean, Naperville feels bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, the mm -hmm. second largest city after Chicago. It definitely feels like Naperville as opposed to um, Aurora. But, you know, it is. And that's a, that's a good thing. People do come together here. Mm -hmm. They're very nice. They're very personable. I lived in Naperville for a small, for a little bit of time after I got out the Navy and then moved, moved here. I was way like, oh, this is... I can dig it out here. I'm you know what it. I think part of it is for Aurora? There's so many families that have been here for generations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that's why it feels more mm -hmm. small town, hometown. Mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. you know, not only might you have been here, but your parents, your grandparents or whatever. And so mm -hmm. I feel like there is that those deep roots that are here now yeah. I say that as a transplant yeah. being here 25 years right but I do feel like I am a part of the community because my husband's family you know has been here for many many years and and was also very active in the community right um, so for the listeners what exactly is a grant <laughs> and what is the typical process yeah so grants are contributions back to a nonprofit okay. um, you know so it's a way that we as um, grant makers are able to assist nonprofit agencies in doing good in their communities you know okay. providing services to individuals and groups of people who are in need okay 
Now, um, in in our time of COVID, the mission Mm -hmm. of the uh, Dunham Fund and the Community Foundation Mm -hmm. has changed to be specifically COVID-related or dispersing funds for COVID relief. Is that it? Well, our mission as an organization has stayed the same, but we formed this collaborative of the Fox Valley grant makers Mm. um, with several other organizations as well. So it wasn't just our two organizations, but we engaged with the Fox Valley United Way, the Ink Board, um, and the Aurora Women's Women's Empowerment Empowerment Foundation. Foundation. And so the five of us were able to really come together and say, you know, we're all grant makers on our own and Mm -hmm. we provide services back to the community, but together we can have such a bigger impact and just really embodied that whole sense of this community and said, why would we want organizations to have to apply separately to each of us for assistance? Let's make it easy on our organizations and have them have one place to make an application and get some support. Now you need to be a... 501c3 to to receive grants. Okay. All right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Nice. I know for you listeners out there, y'all like, ask what you got to be to get a grant. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I did that. Shout out to all of you listeners. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And that's important. You know, people need to understand that there's IRS regulations around all of this. And so it's a tax determination status that you have to have. Right. Right. But the good thing is that Mm -hmm. several of our grants went to nonprofits who immediately turned around with the funds that they were provided by our group and able to do cash assistance to families that were really in need. Mm -hmm. And especially before, you know, um, any stimulus checks came out or anything like that. Right. Uh, Now, do you, ladies in the organizations, the Fox Valley Grant Makers, you work with the food pantry? The Aurora Food Pantry? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aurora Area Food Pantry, Marie Wilkinson Food Pantry, and also Kendall County Community Food Pantry. And the Northern Illinois Food Bank Bank as well. Yeah, Yeah, we supported all of those. They do a lot of good work. They all do amazing work, and their numbers have increased significantly. I mean, it's just, it's really... I mean, really staggering, doubled, sometimes threefold the amount that they would normally see. So, you know, try to imagine if you're an executive director of an organization that normally has, you know, 50 people coming and then all of a sudden you have 100 and then all of a sudden you have 300 people coming. So, you know, how do you maximize your resources, which a lot of times are on a minimal basis to begin with. So we were glad that we were able to really help at a time when they were struggling to try to meet up with the demand. Um. So being part of the Fox Valley Grant Makers and working specifically to help people in, the, in this time of COVID, what do you think is, uh, what's, the, what's the biggest or strongest change that the COVID era mm-hmm. has brought to the, to the world of, of nonprofits? Yeah, I think one of the things that you know, we've seen is that organizations had to respond differently to keep people safe. Right. right. So if you're a mental health provider, which, you know, we all know that this is hard on everyone's mental health right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, for our mental health providers who normally would see people in person, you know, it was trying to adapt quickly to see people virtually. You know, if you're a shelter and you're trying to keep people out of the elements, you know, how do you do that and then also keep people safe? So it's responding in a way where you're making sure that you're keeping everyone safe, not only the people you're serving, but also your staff and your... And your volunteers. And your volunteers who are really your family, right? And right. I think it's important that, um, you know, we don't 
minimize that there was great risk to everyone and that these people yeah. were really our heroes out there and you know still are at yeah. you know really serving people in need yeah i've been surprised and i've been uh really inspired i mean you look around at some of the people and what they're doing i mean it's sad to see the lack of some of the ppe and, and equipment and things like hospitals right. but it's good to see the dedication of people who yeah. are literally cutting you know, taking plastic trash bags for heaven's sakes and cutting that and making that into something that they can wear yeah, to work anything. all night in the right. surgery ward. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. I have a friend that made over 500 masks. Wow. That she donated. Yeah. To various organizations mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and companies and stuff like that. Yeah. One of the um, organizations that we provided funding to is VNA Healthcare. And oh, yeah, B&A. You know, Highland. Yeah, Highland. Oh, yeah. And Shout out to B&A. They, they have multiple locations. Okay. But two in Aurora. Yeah. yeah. They have some in Alja. I mean, they're superheroes for sure. And, you know, they're really serving the most vulnerable populations that, yeah, they are. you know, exist. And people can come in and walk in without any insurance. And if they need help, they're going to make sure that they get it, right? right. And not only are they going to get it, but the uh, level of yes. care is second to none. I mean, they are mm -hmm. an amazing uh, federally qualified healthcare organization. Yeah. yeah, I've been uh I've been impressed with them. Had two friends that work for them and yeah. um as a veteran, I can tell organizations that work good on the inside if I'm sitting in the lobby mm -hmm. and those that do not whether they have poor leadership mm -hmm. uh or an undedicated staff and I have to say VNA Health has been very good at providing services and being professional about it. Yes. Uh, the whole way through. Yes. They want to serve their clients with dignity, yeah. you know, which is why there's a dental clinic and, I mean, podiatrist and an eye clinic on, right there mm -hmm. at the facility mm -hmm. and um, just a lot of specialists that come in to see these patients. Mm -hmm. And they were very thoughtful about how they handled um, the whole COVID deal to make sure that certain um, – uh, sectors of their population that they see, such as um, ladies that are pregnant, were sent to one facility so that they were not exposed to the general population that was yes. coming in for COVID testing or being treated yeah. for Which is COVID. So important. It yeah. really is. So, I mean, they're mm -hmm. just an amazing organization, mm -hmm. and our community is better for it yeah. and healthier for sure. Mm -hmm. um, what is the average grant amount? Mm -hmm. um, that is uh, dispersed, if that's the correct term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think our average grant size was around 12000 Okay. For the Fox Valley Grant Makers mm -hmm. COVID Relief Fund. Right. Yeah. In each one of the grant makers, so, you know, each five of us have our own separate grant making programs that we've also been distributing grants out to the community. And obviously those vary among the different organizations. Yeah. Um, so right now, does one or does a nonprofit have to be engaged in solely – uh, COVID, COVID-related activities to receive grant. So funding? through the Fox Valley Grant Makers Fund, um, which is designed really to provide relief through the COVID response, mm -hmm. um, you know those grants are directly to agencies that are providing COVID relief. So yes, it does have to be specifically related to that. But we all have our own grant-making programs within our organizations that are unique to our organization. So okay. you could still apply for other services through our different grants that we have available. Uh, for the listeners, what is the difference between a 501c3 mm -hmm. and a c4? 
Did I say that correctly? Mm-hmm. I did? Okay. Right. Well, they're both nonprofit statuses, but the tax deter- determination status is really through the IRS guidelines. I would encourage you to look that up through the IRS website because okay. it is very unique and have the IRS come like you said that wrong on the yeah. air. <laughs> I don't I don't want to mess with the IRS. That's yeah, we, for sure. yeah. Um I like what I'd like about a lot of the organizations in the city uh, Dunham Fund and Community Foundation, Neighbor Project is that the people are personable. So that is to say that they're not aloof to you when you walk in the building, or when you used to walk in buildings, but, um, you know, you can actually talk to these people, and they'll sit down. You can get a meeting with these folks. Um, But that doesn't seem to be the case with a lot of other organizations. You know, I don't know if that's a personality thing among some of the staff or if it's just the way the organizations run. Has it been difficult for yourselves to establish those relationships with some of the other, um, with some of the businesses and, and things like that and other nonprofits? Boy, I would have to say I have not experienced that. I Neither have I. You know, I have really seen that this community as a whole is so welcoming and um, open to wanting to work collaboratively that we have not experienced, at least, you know, within our organization, anyone saying that they're not willing to cooperate or to in some way collaborate and work together and to have collective impact. Yeah. yeah. That's good to know. I think sometimes people get into silos. And well, there's, that only, is there's only certain, you know. Sure. Sure. And I think that when you are running a small nonprofit organization, it, it probably is easy to get into a silo because you're just, you're trying to provide services. You're trying to, yeah fundraise you're trying to market and you're you know you Mm -hmm. typically have a small staff and small budget and you are wearing a lot of different hats but I really do feel like um, the nonprofits have been great to work with and I think that as grant makers in this area we try really hard to be approachable Mm -hmm. and accessible to everybody and to let them know that we are here to support them and that we are their cheerleaders I mean, we, we want them to succeed because we mm-hmm. need their services right. provided to our community, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Thrive Collaboration Center? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah down on River Street? Sure. Yes. Nice yes. place. It is a nice, nice place. Nice yeah. place. Man. Uh, a lot so of hard work by the city to get that up and going. Yes. And shout out to Dr. Holloway. Yeah. Dr. Yes. Holloway. Hey, shout <laughs> out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's a place that I miss not being able to go into because you know, you, it's got two levels. You walk in, go up the stairs, there to the right. I was fortunate enough to take part in a nonprofit seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of starting a nonprofit and just wanted some of the ins and outs. You're going to learn so much Googling. Oh, wow. You know? Well, let yes. me just say, we host nonprofit workshops approximately mm-hmm. 10 months out of the year. Okay. All right. And we will make sure that you are on our list to receive the information. And that's another way Julie and I have partnered together between Mm -hmm. our two organizations is even though we have a little bit different um, service areas, she has shared with us what their nonprofit contact list is so that we can include them in our invitations as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we want as many nonprofits 
um, as possible to be able to join our workshops and gain knowledge, gain experience, build um, trust and friendship with other nonprofits so that they can figure out how they can collaborate together, even though it might seem like two totally different organizations that would never have anything in common. Yeah. You would be amazed at the things that have come out of the workshop. Mm -hmm. And um, so we'll make sure you get on the list as well. Yeah, please do. Because I, you know, as a person who's just, I've just been a blue collar guy my whole life. Like it's, it seems like such a difficult thing to do. And when I took part in that first workshop, like I really did feel better because I felt like, okay, like everybody in here, for, for the most part, was new to learning about it and new to the process. So we all just took that first step of registering, mm-hmm. signing up, and going there. And the knowledge gained in just that one, it was like an hour and a half session, was really good. I mean, I felt a lot stronger um, after, yeah, we know, just, after leaving out of there. We just finished our spring. <laughs> spring. I know it's summer, but a couple right, of them got to like, I know. Yeah, what, 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 yeah, we what live is in a 2020? <laughs> but um, we just finished our last one for the spring series, and it was all on um, finances for small nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, why is it important to file your 990, which is your tax return for the organization? Why is it important to truly understand how to read your P&L. And um, so that was the spring series in the fall. Julie and I collaborate on that to really get the word out about Giving Tuesday, which is always that second Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know about Giving Tuesday. Yeah, we run um, workshops on storytelling through social media, why it's important to learn how um, to digital fundraise, which has all of those skills are transferable throughout the year, but they have been especially um, important during this time of COVID where we are, everybody is in sheltered in place and you can't host your traditional fundraisers. So, you know, we've seen them being able to utilize those skills in other manners. So Mm -hmm. I was able to virtually intern, uh, for a senator and did some digital fundraising. It was a lot of fun. Wow, I did that's really great. good. Oh, yeah, I was dedicated. You sit at home in your PJs and digital. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, you're killing it, Curtis. Like, I know, I know. Trust me, I'm, I'm so comfortable doing this. Um, and, and, you know, I think what really comes out of when you pull people together, whether it's through Zoom or whether it's yeah. in person, you know, you're – you feed off of one another, right? Yes. So, you know, you start listening to somebody else's question and you think, yeah, that was a really good question. And then another question comes into somebody else's mind. So yeah. rather than just trying to figure it out on your own, all on your own, you know, just being able to be in a room with other people and hearing what other people are asking spurs questions within yourself. And then you all of a sudden are talking about it and figuring out ways to work together to right. find solutions to your issues that you're having and it's just really a neat way to see our community come together. Right. Time is now 8.35 a.m. And you're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Um, so I have some friends who uh, uh, have or own nonprofits. Why is it important to file your 990? Well, that's your tax return. So, I mean... Because the IRS looks, the IRS. <laughs> right. looks poorly on you if you don't yes. file yes, you your do. taxes. So. You do, yeah, yeah. So you guys, I'm not going to name you, no names, but you yeah. heard that. So yeah. file your taxes. And it also gives you credibility, right? right? So 
you know, as a, a nonprofit, you want anyone who comes in contact with your organization because, you know, people are individuals in our community give generously, you know, and they they want to know that the organizations that they give to are credible organizations. Right. So right. when when you file and it's you know right there for the public to see where your dollars are being spent then that's transparency and that allows you know any individual who wants to donate to you to know how you're spending your dollars and to feel good about donating to your organization right. and knowing that you're going to you know spend wisely and it legitimizes the organization yes, i believe completely right um so uh, what's what's going on currently and uh who are you working with what can the people what should we stay tuned to? <laughs> well, okay, so as far as Dunham Fund mm -hmm. is concerned, I would say that um, we are just, you know, in the process of reviewing grants on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. We have a newsletter scheduled to go out Tuesday with a video that talks about the Fox Valley Grant Makers COVID Response Fund and list all of the nonprofits, all 50 of them, who were grant recipients. Um, it also gives information about uh, when our grant process will end for 2020. Okay. So I think that's important for nonprofits to know. So if you have not subscribed, please go to DunhamFund.org and subscribe to the newsletter. And um, so I'd say that's what's going on in our world right now, and just okay. trying to continue to be responsive to nonprofits. Right. Interesting. Dunhamfund.org. Got it. Yes. Awesome. For the listeners, we will make sure that we post that link on our Facebook page, so that you guys can access that good information. Uh, so let's talk. Let's talk family a little bit. Uh, you know, we like to make the show, like to humanize the show as much as possible. Uh, I'm a father. My son just turned eight yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, what's parenting like for yourselves in this time of COVID? Well, I have um, <laughs> two teenagers. I have a son who just graduated from Naperville Central High School. And, um, shout out to Central. Shout out to Central. He's um, 18 years old. And, you know, I think in the when this all happened and kind of that senior year shut down, you know, just like any other senior, you know, that was impactful, you know, because, you know, you have these expectations your whole, you know, high school years that you're going to, you know, have all these experiences. Yeah, cruising the know. Mustang with the top down right, and everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Senior um, skip day. Senior yep, skip exactly. Days, yeah. You know, you just. We'll go to Brad's house and chill, man. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you're. Brad's mom doesn't want you in there. <laughs> right. I mean, as long as they're not in my house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, I think that was disappointing, obviously, yeah. you know, but I think, you know, to know that everybody's doing it and it's not just like it was their school, it was our whole country shut right. down, you know, so I feel like, you know, they were able, my kids were able to kind of bounce back. Kids are so resilient, you know, I, I feel like sometimes we don't give them enough credit um, and, you know, they got through the year and, um, you know, they had their small groupings of friends, you know, mm -hmm. that they were able to kind of maintain some contact with. Right, yeah. And we kind of kept it at that, you know, let's let's get, keep around the same people all the time. And you kind of have your almost kind of mini family of friends and, you know, connections. Mm -hmm. um, I have a daughter that um, is 16, you know, so, um, you know, she 
is going to be a junior next year. Oh and so having to, you know, just not be able to see friends as often, yeah. you know, to adjust to having classes online. Um, she's a dancer, not to be able to dance, you know, within a studio and having to do it through Zoom classes. All that's been kind of challenging for them. But, you know, we're fortunate, you know, we have a healthy family. And, you know, to me, I just feel fortunate that we were able to maintain our health, mm -hmm. to keep everyone safe during this time, that we didn't have any um, real issues, you know, that we had to deal with during this time. And right. feel really blessed that both my husband and I were able to, you know, work from home when we needed to. Um, my husband works for a beverage company, so, you know, he was distributing um, still during this time, so he still had to go out, and he was considered an essential worker. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so people... People need their Coca-Cola, don't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or Tito's, you know, so... Oh, it's, or Tito's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring back Tito's, man! This is tyranny! Uh, yeah. Right, right. Yep. Right, so, um, yeah, so he works for an alcohol supplier, so... Mm -hmm. Essential. Essential. Very yeah. essential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I think... You know, our, our family felt really blessed. You know, the hard part for us has been that, you know, our family is distant. So we couldn't just go and sit on somebody's driveway and visit with my parents or, um, you know, because they're in St. Louis. And yeah. my husband's parents are in Michigan and also Pittsburgh. So you couldn't just go visit right. and with your mask on. So, you know, we've FaceTimed and Zoomed and done all kinds of things that you have to do. Yeah, that's and that was uh, but you um, go ahead. Vic, what were you going to say? Oh, no, you go ahead. All right. Uh, I was going to ask that about, um, as as um, professionals, transitioning into the Zoom era where everything's done now on a call, on a screen. I mean, how's, how has how's that been for you? I feel like it's been fantastic. The, and here's why. Mm -hmm. um, you still get to see everyone's faces. Yeah. And I feel like everybody gets very excited when you're on those calls that are set up so that you can see everybody's faces. Right. Now, some of our workshops, the presenters um, preferred to not have it set up that way. You know, so it was just the presenter's face or the presenter's slide deck. Yes, right. And right. to me, it kind of took away from the experience because everybody's so used to being together in a room and being able to talk and, and about what their challenges are or how are you handling this type of experience right. or oh my goodness we just did this and it was so successful and so I mean I feel like Zoom has not been bad and, and we're actually doing our board meetings through Zoom and um, mm -hmm. it's been good you know at first it was trying to figure out just how you navigate through it but I feel like we're all becoming experts mm -hmm. right and um yeah, it's kind yeah. of a household term that necess wasn't it necessarily I live on it. before. It is. Right. Yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. And I you talk to people and they're like, yeah, I've been on 12 Zoom calls already today. You know. I mean, <laughs> between Zoom and just FaceTiming with our staff, Yeah. I feel like I'm on it all day. And then I sit and work in peace at night to get things done. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I've had two kind of experiences. Like, I... I like Zoom because I'm able to do what I like to do. You got the pictures up there, and it is good to have a nice interjection of your day. Like if you're doing online stuff and it's just you type, 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 yes, it's good to have that noon Zoom call. Everybody's chilling. You can see everybody. How you guys doing? Um, but on the Veterans Council, 
that I'm on, having our Zoom meetings was challenging. Some of our members who are of Vietnam era, no idea about Zoom. Is the mic on? Is it not? Do I download it? Do I run? Yeah. The, the, you know, what, what happens if I push this? Right. You know, um, the dog's throwing up in the background. The <laughs> mic is still on. I mean, uh, you know, so. so it, uh, <laughs> Doorbell's ringing. Yeah. 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 So yeah. one part of my life was fun, but the other part, and I, I think started talking about this, like my volunteerism that shut down with COVID, reestablishing that through Zoom and those meetings was difficult. Um, I sure. like, I've always liked the professionalism, the say hi, the come in, the meetings, the shaking of the hands and things. So that has been difficult to, mm -hmm. for me to let go of and then transition to mm -hmm. um, with this. But I want to ask about the grant process. Mm -hmm. um, do you have resources or help for applying for a grant and grant writers and things um, like that for people who are interested? Well, as Vicki mentioned, the workshops that they are able to right. provide okay. definitely offer that experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think um, any of us would be willing to have uh, contact with someone. You know, I've, I've talked through what those issues are over the phone right. with the grant writers or executive directors who have questions. You know, grant writing sometimes seems like this, you know, really hard thing to do. It does. And, and, you I, know, like, typed it into Google and looked, oh, you know well, what? Yeah. But uh. really, all you're, all you're doing is responding to questions, right. you know, and an, a grant maker has to make sure that whoever they're giving the grant to is credible, is reliable, is, you know, legitimate, right? So we have to ask questions to make sure that whoever we're going to provide support to right. is going to be that kind of an organization. And we want to know enough information about you before we give out a grant. Right. And we have a committee of people that review those applications who are volunteers and so we want to ask questions that give them insight into who you are and so really it's a lot of storytelling it's you know letting people know who you are as mm -hmm. an organization and just answering questions that are being asked in a way that helps people understand your organization right so for us on our website there are grant guidelines mm -hmm. that kind of here. help out right. mm -hmm. and we encourage anyone who is considering uh, submitting a grant to the Dunham Foundation to contact our program director, Lindsay Cochran, so that she can... Shout out Lindsay. Shout out Lindsay, so that she can help walk them through the process, talk to them about what they want to apply for, and what's the best way to tell that story through an application. Okay. Um, do you have any success stories? Oh, goodness. We have millions of success mm, stories. I'll yeah. tell you one. <laughs> um, you know, several years ago, even before I was at the, the Dunham Fund, the Paramount Theater came to us. Tim Ritter had an idea of doing in-house production for um, musicals, and they needed an upgrade to equipment and stuff. And so we provided a grant so that they could have upgraded equipment mm -hmm. and really kick off the Broadway series. And I know that we're in shutdown right now, but you can see from the success, and some people might consider that supporting the arts. We considered it more um, economic development because it yeah. brought so many people into downtown yes. from all over Chicago land. And then there was this need to have restaurants in downtown Chicago so that patrons could dine before or after, you know, yep. they buy gas at the local gas station. Sometimes they stay in our local 
hotels. Park and in our parking lots. They park yes. in our parking lots. They want to shop maybe and make a day of it if they are coming from further away. And so I would say that that's one. Another one for us is the John C. Dunham STEM Partnership School. Science, is, Technology, Engineering, Mathematics. You got it. Yep. And so it's located on Aurora University's campus. There's four different school districts that send children and students from third to eighth grade to this campus, and they interact with college students, they interact with professors, and they see what it's like to be on a college campus. And they understand that th they, too, they can see themselves there. Yes. Because they're there every day. That's right. And um, it's a really unique learning environment and to be mm -hmm. to be in. So I would say that mm -hmm. those are, for us, another one would be River Edge Park, the Ooh. John C. Dunham Pavilion. Yes. I mean, there's and there's smaller things that have had great impact. Yep. That's a Those good are one. just like some of the bigger ones that, you know, are on the top of my head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now they got the bridge going across there, too. I know, right? Yeah. I can't wait till to see when it's completed. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Community Foundation, I mean, we've, we've funded so many different types of organizations. I think that's what's so great about being a community foundation is we provide capital grants to organizations. So whether it's the arts or an educational organization or, um, you know, and many, or, you know, a youth-serving organization or a food pantry. Mm -hmm. You know, we, if you apply to us for whether it's some computer equipment to help you do your job better, or maybe it's a new roof on your organization. Right. So, you know, recently we provided funding to Kendall County Community Food Pantry to help them put on a new roof because their roof was literally leaking, you yeah. know. So, yeah. you know, they had to be able to maintain that space so that they can provide food back out to the community. Oh, well... Um, wheelchair accessibility right and we provided some wheelchair accessibility to water street studios so that people with disabilities could access the main level and be able to Over here. that's in batavia yeah oh okay that's right that is batavia i'm thinking because right. this is water street mall that we have correct here. Yes. yeah that's in yes. uh, water street studios is in downtown batavia. yes right yeah i hear good things so you know the venue downtown in aurora we provided mm -hmm. some um space or some um funds to help them you know, really rebuild that space yes. and make that a space where we could have arts come into this community. Right. Yeah, we, we supported them as well. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of times where we're supporting the same uh -huh. organizations or support um, jointly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah. And I think, you know, it's really kind of neat that we're able to share that impact mm -hmm. and to collectively say, you know, together as grant makers and we have a lot of individuals, donors that give through their funds with us and, you know, they're also supporting all these organizations in the community. Right. Um, and I think collectively to see that, you know, as individuals, as grant makers that we can give back to this community and help it thrive, I think is, you know, what really makes me feel so proud to be a part of this organization yeah i'm glad that um i'm glad of all the work that you ladies do as a guy who's just been living here just simply been a resident been familiar with both of the names of the community foundation and the dunham fund but mm -hmm. to actually know and see that they are involved in what has been a transformation of aurora in so many different places mm -hmm. i mean like you, you take the venue right down that used to be just broken bottles with no grass or nothing. That little that I know. park and, and that precious. building. It's They've done yeah. an amazing job it looks of renovating the space. Yeah, mm -hmm. you wouldn't even know it. Um, I know. 
Yeah. We actually had a grantee recognition ceremony in there in January before the world shut down. I wow. Good yeah. <laughs> timing, Julie. I know. It was yeah. really great, great timing. And, um, you know, we're really able to celebrate our grantees, you know, that receive funding from us in mm -hmm. the fall. And, I mean, what a great venue to be able to do that. You know, yeah. and they picked the right name, evidently. <laughs> yes, they, <laughs> they did. did. Yeah, yes, they did. Yeah. Now, um, but Monday is named after, a, uh, he, he was a gentleman, he was an Auroran, is that? He is an Aurorian. Okay, uh -huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. His wife taught in West Aurora School District for many, many years. They've owned a landscaping company. Right. Um, I mean, he might, Wally Mundy, who the park is named after, um, his grandfather, his father might have started it, and I know it's third generation now, so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, my office used to be next to theirs, so I know them very well yeah. yeah like this yeah. fam yeah. <laughs> and when you talk about all these you know great names in aurora you know i think it's you know just such a tribute to the generations who have come mm -hmm. before us who continue to give commitment back to the community i mean our grant making program you know when you look at the dunham fund it's you know one name it's john c dunham that really made you know this possible that they can continue to give out grants for forever right, right back right. to the community um, the Community Foundation is a compilation of many individual donors who have given back year after year right. to their community. And so, you know, we're able to have assets that people have for generations said, you know, before me have said, we trust that you as a community foundation are going to get back to the community and do that well. And so, you know, we are so grateful to all those people who have generously given to us for so many years. And even our board members who continue to donate their time and their talent and their treasures, you know, day in and day out. We just had an executive committee, you know, meeting yesterday. And, mm -hmm. you know, our board members are so committed to the work yeah. that we're doing. And, you know, I, I need to do a call out to them, you know, to say, hey, oh, you know. You yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. They're, they're the ones that really, you know, put in the volunteer time and, you know, make sure that, you know, we continue to thrive and that, you know, we have that strategic plan and that capacity to really move forward into the future. You know, one program we did not talk about that I want to make sure that mm -hmm. I do is we have a scholarship program. Um, I'm sure, you know, people have heard about our scholarship program and that we give out scholarships to um, this year it was 381 students in the Aurora and Beyond community. So, you know, nice. we serve all the Fox Valley from Plano all the way up through St. Charles. And students in high school, even students that are in their undergraduate program already or in their graduate program can apply to our scholarship program each year. Wonderful. This year when we looked at our, like, one-year to four-year scholarships, it was going to be over $1.7 million wow. that we're giving back to students to enhance their education. And, you know, we are so thrilled that so many individuals in our community have generously set up scholarships to honor someone or just to say we want to get back and promote education in the community. Yes. And so if you're a student and you're going to be a high school student, you know, who's a senior graduating or you're in your undergraduate or graduate program, apply to our program because almost one out of every two students that applies gets a scholarship from us. You heard, you heard it right there. That's right. You heard it right there. Facts on the mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, on social media, how can the listeners find about um, about the uh, Dunham Fund and Community Foundation on social media? Do you guys have Instagram? We do, Yeah, we're not as active on Instagram, but okay. we do have a Facebook page, so, you know, feel free to um, connect with us that way. Okay. Um, our website address is cffrd.org, right. so connect with us there. Okay. 
we are on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. And Facebook we post and pretty frequently. Awesome. Yeah, we are always trying to promote different nonprofits in the area and the programs that they're providing and the good work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, we'll be definitely uh, checking out those links and sharing that information on our Facebook and Instagram, too, and our Twitter. That's we lovely. Got, yeah, yeah. Twitter, you, here's the thing. <laughs> I like to write. You only get so much to write. That's, I know. That's the thing about Twitter. I mean, I like it, but... Ugh, you know, you're you can't limited. rant on Twitter. That's the right. thing. Like, ugh. Yeah, you're limited Sometimes to the characters. Sometimes that's a yeah. good thing. But <laughs> it is, yeah. True. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the so other thing I want to make sure I talk about real quickly mm-hmm. is that we have this youth engagement and philanthropy program. Okay. So if you're a high school student who is, you know, somewhere in your freshman to senior year, and you want to learn how to do this grant making that we've been talking about, Come and look at our website because we have a youth engagement and philanthropy program that teaches young people who are in high school how to give back and how to actually give out grants to organizations who are youth serving in the community. This past year we had about 15 young people who were just remarkable. I mean, just, you know, when you, sometimes you hear these negative stories about young people in the community and, you know, all, you know, all they care about is themselves. That's not what we're experiencing. We're experiencing that you know young people want to do good and they want to give back to yeah, their community. And yeah. They're a lot smarter than we give them credit for a lot right. of times. Yep. So if you want to learn about this grant making that we've been talking about today, you know, come look at our website and come be a part of that program. We awesome. ha- the Dunham Fund helped support yes. it when they yes. got it off of Thank the ground you. last year. And I have to say, Lindsay Cochran, our program director, and I went to a couple different. Um, gatherings yes, and did. were very impressed mm-hmm. with what they were doing and the youth that were involved in it and yeah. I think it's a wonderful way to learn more about your community mm-hmm. and how to be philanthropic right. like your parents and your grandparents and those generations before you were right and some people don't have that naturally within their family system you know so some people have really struggled just to get by on a daily basis and maybe haven't had the revenue to be able to give back right Right. so you know it's not like you have to have that history to know how to do it in your future yeah and we want all people to feel like there's an opportunity to give back yeah i've always tried to do that in my own personal capacity whether it's through i've also volunteered with the ywca for a long time uh them neighbor project and veterans that's been my thing so yeah to your point yeah you don't always you're in a lot of cases your time oh my doing something showing up to do to package those meals at the food pantry or um take a part in that clothing drive neutral ground something like that that goes a long way to help people more than your five dollar donation when you click the button or whatever yes and organizations need all of that they don't you know, obviously, they need donations to thrive. Sure. You know, and to, and every bit helps, whether it's five dollars or yeah. it's five hundred dollars. Shout out to everybody giving five dollars now. Don't stop with the five dollars. Yeah. that was just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or if you can give five hundred thousand dollars, people. Will yes, take it. yeah, seriously. Um, but um, yeah. So the time is now eight fifty nine a.m. We like to end the show on a positive note. What should the listeners take with them going into this weekend about the Dunham Fund Community Foundation of Fox River Valley? What's actionable that they can, uh, you know, use and keep in the front part of their brains? I think that as we roll into this weekend, think about the what are your passions, mm-hmm. um, what touches your heart, and look to see what organizations are in the community 
that are offering those services to our neighbors in need and figure Mm -hmm. out if you have the time to donate or to do something to help them right now since so many of them are strapped with their resources that Mm -hmm. they have and that there are so many needs within each -hmm. of these organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, realize that the magnitude isn't as important as just you being present, you know, and that can be virtually right now. So, you know, just know that every little bit that you're giving back has an impact. And, you know, learn about us. You know, we are happy to talk to anyone who wants to call us or communicate with us in any way by email or, you know, ask us a question. You know, come learn about who we are. We want to know you. Yeah, and if you're in the community and you don't know where an organization is that would fill, you know, that need of um, your interests, contact either one of our offices we're very familiar with the nonprofit community okay. mm-hmm. and we could help make connections for you wonderful mm-hmm. wonderful uh, I want to give a give two shout outs real quick uh, one I'd like to give a shout out to Jay Kelly for putting this uh, helping to get this interview uh, these are live claps y'all that's a live clap no button for that uh, for, um, for reaching out and helping us to get this wonderful interview today and I would be remiss if I did not give a shout-out to Joel Friend with the Paramount. Shout-out to Joel. Shout-out to everything that he did for providing tickets to some of the veterans on my council. Oh, wonderful. And we took our moms out to see a show, which meant a hell of a lot. More I, than he knows. Boy, more I than can he imagine. knows. That yeah. was a very... Very nice thing. That was a very nice thing. The other thing I would say is you can always check Fox Valley United Way's website. They have Fox Valley volunteers, and you can get connected with those organizations that list Mm -hmm. what their needs are in the community, whether it's volunteering or products or whatever. Fox Valley United Way. Got to make sure we post that information. And they were one of our um, grant-making partners. Yes, we partner all the time with them and other grant makers in the community. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, the time is now 9.02 a.m. And from ourselves here at Good Morning Aurora, we thank uh, the Fox Valley grant makers for coming in to speak to us, Julie Chrisman and Vicki Morcos. Uh, we really appreciate their time. We really appreciate the information. And we hope that all of you listeners out there, especially our friends in the nonprofit community, found this information to be helpful. From Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast, we'd like to tell you to have a safe weekend, wear your mask, wash your hands, and be blessed. And we will see you here Monday on Good Morning Aurora. And with that, we are out.